0: This episode of the Noble Warrior Podcast is brought to you by C.K. Lynn Mindset Coaching for Entrepreneurs. Whatever mental blocks in your life you want to overcome as an entrepreneur, fears of failure, inability to take the actions you know there is to take, fear of success, three steps forward and four steps back, or even that thought of not feeling deserving after achieving all the success. Coaching is one of the most valuable tools you can have. It's an investment in yourself, and it can yield some of the highest returns. CK Lynn has the skills that will empower you to achieve the most accelerated results you've dreamed of. To help you get started, CK is offering podcast listeners a free strategy session with him, a $1,000 value. Visit talkwithck.com and schedule your free session today. This is such a beautiful setting to have a podcast. (sighs) Yeah, I used to have my own podcast, actually. Did you? Yeah, it was called Neonosis, New Knowledge. Mm. And I did like uh, 20, 20 episodes. Why'd you stop? <clears throat> it lost its charge. For it you? Kind of, yeah, it was a kind of more of a project rather than a consistent platform. Mm. At least that's how it, it felt in my body. Mm. Um yeah, I've started to learn about myself. Like, the best way I, I tend to work is in short, sharp bursts. Mm. And then mm. relaxation. So, like, project work works really well for me. Mm. Nine to five not so much.
1: Mm. Yeah. It was perfect that you're in, in charge of consciousness. Yeah, there we Akina. go. Yeah. So, for me... Well, I'm a little dizzy. Um, this is my second podcast. Oh, sweet. Okay. Mm-hmm. My first podcast, I stopped after... 12 episodes or mm. 6 episodes rather and um, and I realized because I was basically speaking to the void <clears throat> and there was nothing coming back mm. I was like uh, I was a little attached to the f- positive feedback loop mm-hmm. then my friend uh, and I a few years later my friend and I started having conversations about Joe Rogan this is the King of Podcast right mm-hmm. and and uh, my friend distinguished for me. Joe Rogan, one to one hundred, was eh, was okay. Mm. But now he's at a thousand plus. He's mm. amazing. Right? Mm-hmm. When I realized that I really enjoyed this kind of conversation, yeah, this is really an excuse for me to have a conversation with amazing, it's, smart, motivated people. It's like a.
0: It's like a life hack for deep networking, and I hate the word networking, uh-huh. but it's just a really great, great excuse to sit down for a couple of hours with people you want to speak with.
1: So i realized for myself even if i (coughs) have all the money in the world i would do this for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. because i enjoy it so much so so now there's no attachment to the positive feedback Mm -hmm. the feedback loop is happening right now yeah so for me this is uh um a great pursuit very fulfilling and thank you so much for saying yes to that yeah it's a pleasure how long ago was the podcast for you it was my podcast Mm -hmm. Uh, I think
0: I started it in September 2017, August 2017, and it went to August 2018,
1: yeah. Oh, okay, so you stopped recently. Yeah, oh, yeah, about a year ago. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. An opportunity to... Yeah, <laughs> get my forecasting sales back, but it's funny being on the other side of it. Yeah. I mean, now that you're in charge of uh, consciousness hacking, potentially, because you're dealing... you're interacting with tons of leaders investors in this space it's a uh great opportunity to broaden now that you have a platform right you can build that potentially yeah as an invitation yeah to to deliver my spiel <laughs> deliver it share it um because it's all about community building right there's so many people who are interested in this space right now um you know we wanted to continue the discussion yeah right um but before we go there i want to talk to you about boxing a little bit so you share with me before we start recording that you've been boxing for 10 years and i'm i've just started my boxing ritual and i gotta tell you it's not fun being punched in the face (laughs) Uh, Mike Tyson said, "Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face." Right. So theoretically, I understood that, and why I got into it is like a life hack, because I realized that we we get punched in the face metaphorically all the time in life. It's part of the part of being alive, part of being an entrepreneur. So I wanted to say, "Oh, hey, let's really go lean into that," and hence my. I'm the type of person who uh, enjoy the discomfort but r- literally right now I'm just getting punched in the face all the time it's, it's just not fun so share with me a little bit of your boxing career <laughs> and then and why do you start and then why did you stop in a little bit that'd be really great
0: sure so I, I grew up in Glasgow Scotland and I had a really relatively like comfortable middle-class upbringing and my godfather was heavily involved in the Scotland boxing scene and...
1: Family business?
0: Uh, something like that, something like that. And I started going to boxing classes in this place called Deniston, which is a really rough part of Glasgow, uh, when I was 13 years old. And here was I, a kind of middle-class, like, private school kid, mm. uh, going to, like, the, the nitty-gritty east end of Glasgow. Mm and the grittier part of town oh yeah, yeah 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 absolutely we're yeah and i didn't i didn't really want to go my dad thought it was going to be good for my my spirit my godfather thought you don't have a choice here yeah and for the first character se- building character building for the first six months man i i i despised it because there i was going in and it was pretty intimidating uh-huh uh, I don't know if you know much of it like Glasgow or Scotland no, but it's, never been. no it's, uh, it's a it's a tough old place mm. and and so for the first six months I really hated it but then I started sparring and it started actually when I was about 14 started sparring and started you know really getting into it mm. and so I, talk
1: to me a little bit about hating it to liking it mm. that that transition because I'm actually right in the, into the six month right now. Mm.
0: So a very basic answer is we start to enjoy what we're good at. Mm. So I think there's a positive correlation between our level of utility mm. and our level of skill. Mm-hmm. And then that reaches a plateau in later years, I think, when it loses its fun mm. because it becomes a chore. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a bit of an inflection point where I was like, hey, I can actually do this. Like I really enjoy the, the fitness aspect. Um, and also confidence like i was quite a shy kid mm-hmm. and i was quite a skinny kid mm-hmm. and i think that played on my psyche uh in, in in various regards and so by the age of 15 i was fighting in the scottish national championships
1: oh man you were in high level
0: uh competing at a high level competing at a high level mm-hmm. yeah and i was having I had a, a few fights and i really it really became my my thing mm. uh and what boxing taught me and so so i did it from the age of about 13 all throughout school and then all throughout university so i went to university and i was the captain and then president of my university boxing team okay so you really competed at a high level a, a, a decent level yeah, a yeah, decent yeah. level but it taught me so so many things man the first was boxing is is a metaphor for existence it's you keep, like you said at the start, you keep getting hit, and the option isn't to just go down, but you have to keep getting back up. And that's a certain, if you're not forced into that by life circumstances, mm-hmm. that's a very hard skill set to train. Right. And so I think part of the problem that we have mm-hmm. with this modern, rich, privileged lifestyle of the West we're is comfortable. That we're comfortable, and we don't grow from comfort, we grow from discomfort. And so I think we have to set the conditions by which we suffer to such an extent mm. that we're actually growing. Not too much, because chronic stress is terrible, but acute stressors to the system mm. is actually very, very healthy for a living system. Mm. Um, and so I, it it, it was a metaphor for, for growth and for life and it gave me a lot of confidence and fitness and it just felt really good to be fit mm. <laughs> and mm. I say, past because I'm nowhere near there at the moment, (laughs) nowhere near there, Uh, but anyway when I was in my teenage years I was really, uh, really going for it and if I, I think I could have taken it to a higher level, if I really wanted to go for it, I think my level was such when I was 16 or 17, I could have taken more of the professional route, Mm. Uh, but I was more of an academic dude and I wanted to go to university and things like that. And I took a year out and then I went to university and I started training training with a different trainer. And I'd won all of my fights apart from one up until this point. Mm. And then I got to university and then I lost. Mm. The first, mm. the second, mm. the third. Mm. And I had this run of losses. Mm. And it was for the first time in my life that I was consistently failing at something. Right. And that hurt my ego, mm-hmm. like hell. Mm. Um, but it was also the, probably the most profound lesson I've had growing up. Mm. Because things had come like relatively smoothly to me until that point. Mm-hmm. But to lose so consistently, publicly, like mm. in front of friends right, right, and right. family, right. Uh, it was, it hurt. And then my I became captain of the team, of the Oxford boxing team, and then we we're going to fight Cambridge in the varsity match in my captain year. So this is the big fight, right? Yeah, this is yeah. Oxford Cambridge, varsity, leading a team of nine boxers, training ten times a week, training mm. camps high altitude in Tenerife. Oh, okay. And uh, it came to this, this Oxford Cambridge fight, my second one, and um, I I, mean, I, don't know. Like, I, told I remember standing over looking into the ring, having had this consecu- this like consecutive amount of losses, and I stood and I looked over in the ring at this place called the Troxay in London. And it was the first time in my life that I precognitively knew what was going to happen. Mm. I looked into the ring and I said, I know for a fact I'm gonna win this mm. and we're gonna win 6-3 in the night. Mm. There was just a clear, transcendent like sense that this is happening. Mm. And there we were and we I won and we won. And I, I really felt that, that that experience was like, even though you keep Messing up you keep failing like keep going like your failures build your character more than your wins do mm. and uh, It was beautiful man. So I stopped that when I was 22. So yeah, almost 10 years and ended in
1: a high So so let's talk about that break that unpack that a little bit mm-hmm. um, Let's see where do we start Do you empty yourself up? Oh, actually, then before I even ask that, do you so competing on a high level, is it a mental game or is it more of a physical game? They're the same thing. They're the same. Okay, mm-hmm. So say a little bit more about that.
0: Okay, so here's a really interesting point. I think when I was boxing, mm-hmm. I saw it all as a physical game. Mm-hmm. I didn't... The mental side was, here I am facing guys that I... You know, like, there's, there's a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. Like, even Mike Tyson says, like, he's he feels he felt deep fear every time he went into a ring mm. you know it's very raw primal this guy wants to hurt you you want to hurt him mm-hmm. and you can't pass the ball like in rugby
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can't
0: like like ask for like a timeout <laughs> no no you're just gonna get hit right um and so i thought i always thought it was a physical game predominantly but then i started meditating after my boxing career and now I'm this, at this place that I know that if I were to go back to fighting mm. with what I know now mm. through the, of, of the mind, mm. I'd have been in a much, much better position. Mm. That if boxers actually integrated more of the mental aspect, mm. visualization, mm. calmness, mm. Um, uh, watching your pain, mm. like really see, feeling it. Rather than trying to pretend it's not there, I think a lot of people, as a coping mechanism in sport, is to try to shut out the pain. Mm. From what I've understood through meditation, is that's actually counterproductive.
1: So don't suppress it. Don't avoid it. Feel it, it
0: fully, mm. and then you just realize it's just another sensation. Mm-hmm. And you know the forty percent rule of the Navy SEALs. Mm. Like if you think you're done, you're only forty percent of the way there. Right, right, right. You know our body and our brain has this huge buffer right. to keep us safe. Right. We can go so much further, and I don't think I've ever taken to myself taken myself as far as I never took myself. I think as far as I know now that my mind can go. Right. Uh, so I would love to get back
1: into it in some to some degree with this more holistic approach. But nice, I love that. Yeah. So let's say someone's being metaphorically punched in the face in life right now. What would you say to that person? Because it's. Theoretically, people get it, right. The forty percent rule. you hear people say, and you know top athlete, they say, um, you know you're so much more capable mm-hmm. than what you think you are. So you know these things we hear a lot, right. But, cliches, when you, almost. right but when you're in the middle of being punched in the face, <laughs> when you're me- physically, or when you're metaphorically like failing, and it's not just like oh man, this freaking sucks any tactical mm. suggestion. Well, I'm, I'm one right now, I'm speaking to that person, right? I'm sure. I'm being like sparring and I'm punching the stomach, punching the head.
0: The stomachs are the worst, right? It, it's, it's
1: 10 times worse than the no. face, man. It's, you, you take, it's, it, here's the thing. On the sidelines, like, oh, it's no big deal. But when you're literally being punched by someone close in range, close range it takes all of the breath out of you, and you're just like stunned. I would much rather
0: be punched in the nose than punched in the kidneys mm. Mm. much rather <laughs> so first of all I think there's a certain humility that comes from it mm-hmm. like if you see a fighter who's got a big ego and he's ch- pumping his chest out he's probably not a very experienced fighter mm. like humility I think goes hand in hand with knowing that like we're all vulnerable and fragile to getting hurt mm-hmm. there's a lot of luck involved mm mm-hmm. Um, so I think like if we can if you can integrate the humility piece Mm. just like yeah I'm getting hit um, without and this is the key without collapsing Mm. because right there's there's fight flight freeze that's right flop right these are coping mechanisms for trauma Mm -hmm. getting hit in the face is traumatic Mm -hmm. if your default operating mechanism is flight Mm. which I think a lot of it is in this day and age because Mm -hmm. if you fight you're, you know, it's not civilizationally like, as accepted. No. Uh, especially if you come from, like, a more of a middle-class background. That's right. Um, so how do you maintain humility without collapsing? Mm. Uh, and I think we're all working at that day by day. Like, every day. Mm. Like, oh, like, the fuck, that hurt. <laughs> part of me wants to run away. And part of me wants to, you know. Boxing, I think, taught me, like, to just keep pushing forward. I think the big, big thing about boxing is... Sometimes, when I'm like getting like when I'm fearful yeah. about like doing something, yeah. I have this metacognition that says, Hey, but do you remember that time where you really didn't want to go
1: into a ring and get punched? Mm. But you did it. Yeah. You know? So, I'm not the kind of guy who um, enjoys the discomfort. Hence, um, you know, hape and ayahuasca and CrossFit and boxing. And some people watch me on the side, but like, man, or ice bath, and someone watching me on the side it's like, man, this guy is um, quote unquote crazy, right, for for wanting to do that. But for me, it's it's there's a lot of spiritual growth that comes into that, because then I'm willingly going there, and getting to the ice bath and doing the hot or the, or the ayahuasca, or the boxing, or whatever it may be, knowing that it's going to be challenging. But from that, that's I think Viktor Frankl says it so well, it's like between stimulus and response, there's a lot of space, and in that space lies enough freedom and growth. So I could fight, flight, freeze, or flop, as you said, Um, but I choose to continue to move forward in any way. So I've been thinking about this
0: a lot recently, that this uh, celebration of spiritual suffering, Mm. how much of it is real, Mm -hmm. and how much of it is a residue of a Judeo-Christian, like, Protestant ethic that says mm-hmm. if you want to get to God, you have to, you know, bear the burden of the cross of suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, it's inbuilt into our mythology mm-hmm. and in Buddhism, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like, right. life of suffering. Life is
1: suffering, right.
0: Uh, you know. So something I'm, I'm playing with and I'm open to to exploring is how true is that? Like, mm-hmm. how, how necessary is suffering as a prerequisite to spiritual growth? Mm-hmm. My experience thus far... Mm-hmm. Is it necessary? It is necessary. I am curious as to whether or not though that is a residual belief. Yeah. And that actually maybe the path
1: could be lighter. For sure, absolutely. So from my own spiritual journey myself, <clears throat> I realized that you, we, joy is in fulfillment and self-realization is available. It's within that option, right? It's been stimulus and response. But I don't know if I can get to that point without the different path to that point. I don't know if that makes any sense. Because, let's see, it's it's hard to articulate this, Mm. you know? Uh, I'll just use myself as, as an example in, let's say, an ayahuasca ceremony, it's painful. Like you experience both the, the joy, but also at the same time, you also experience moments that you're not so proud of, as an example, right? The painful part, all of it, right? So could I have gotten or uh, the, 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 the lesson from an embodied way without actually witnessing the, the suffering part? I what? wonder.
0: Well, I think what the suffering represents is like if in a plant ceremony or something, it's it's oftentimes the stuff that we've refused to feel mm-hmm. because it's been too painful. Mm-hmm. And so our body has this very deep intelligence to say, Hey, your system can't handle the shame, the guilt, the fear mm-hmm. So we're gonna put these block energy blockage layers mm-hmm. so you don't have to feel. Mm-hmm. And then you move into some, you know, transformational work mm-hmm. and you're feeling all the things that have been suppressed. Right. And so really like I think suffering is often just a proxy for feeling what is what is already there Mm. It's uh, it's not necessarily creating anything new Mm. Uh, And if spiritual growth is anything it's 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 the acceptance the allowing of Of the whole spectrum of reality, which isn't asymmetric Mm. I wish Mm. you know, I wish reality was like curved to the upside. Mm. It's not there's reality is also like tragic and Mm -hmm. horrific Mm -hmm. and also simultaneously joyful and beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so sport gives us an opportunity to get to to force us to look at Mm -hmm. the the pain Mm -hmm. and as a result i think opens us up to the, the totality of our experience
1: yeah i'm thinking back right now I mean, there's so many metaphors you can kind of go with that. You know, it could be going to be an entrepreneur. You know, you get the highs and the highs of highs, but also the lows and lows, mm-hmm. right? In any kind of meaningful relationship, beginning with similar, <laughs> right? The highs of highs and the lows of lows yeah. that almost no one knows about, unless you open to share with you know your close group of people. And or plant medicine ceremony, similar, right? You experience all of that. Mm-hmm. So. Do you feel that going back to your inquiry is suffering necessary for growth what do you what do you say to that i I, my experience
0: so far is yes but i don't know if i don't know if it's i'm I'm in an open
1: inquiry Mm. i think so yeah Hmm. so i'm curious now that you're how did you get into the Consciousness, consciousness hacking space. So, did, you, did you always <coughs> know that you wanted to get in there? Oh no, dude, <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: So, I, I started my career in in finance. I was at Morgan Stanley, uh-huh. uh, selling a f- foreign exchange, and like interest rates, uh-huh. f- FXEM sales. I was doing at Morgan Stanley, right. and I don't know why I said interest rates. I meant options. Right, <laughs> uh, and. I, I did that for some time and wasn't particularly fulfilled mm. and realized I wanted to explore Really the things that really turned me on so I used to like come back from like a long day at work and listen to Terence McKenna no, really? and Alan Watts and Something in me was like well, what if this is Why is it that I can read an FX morning? brief mm-hmm. and like lose concentration in seven seconds, mm-hmm. but read an Alan Watts book from front to back without losing concentration, like hardly at all. Mm. Something was like, well, maybe this is the thing that lights you up, like what if, what would it be like if you were to explore consciousness? Mm. And so I moved out to San Francisco two years ago mm-hmm. from the UK mm-hmm. to do a master's in philosophy and consciousness. Okay. Um, and consciousness hacking, what that represents is this synthesis between the head and the heart. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I'm sure you know, in the, the consciousness world, and for your listeners, I'm doing like, Ear marks, yeah. quotation marks, and yeah, air quotes. Yeah, right. there's there's a lot of up and out. Mm. It's quite ethereal, new agey. Mm-hmm. Woo, mm-hmm. can be. Mm-hmm. Consciousness hacking was a community in San Francisco that was this real synthesis between let's think deeply and transcendentally mm-hmm. but without losing our
1: grounding in the rational and the pragmatic. That's right. We live in this physical realm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not meant to. As I think. I I love this uh, phrase from uh, Vipassana. Essentially we study the mechanics of the Buddha achieve enlightenment or self-awareness. And then they also made a distinction about, um, hey, there are these people who dedicate their life to self-transcendence, we call them monks and nuns, right? And then there's the rest of us who are householders. householders. And then, and then they distinguish that, hey, it's actually much more difficult for householders because we have other responsibilities in addition to our desire for self-realization, self-awareness. So definitely, it's to me anyway, it's much more difficult to balance this worldly pursuit in addition to a spiritual journey.
0: Yeah, and your worldly pursuits, and this is karma yoga, right? It's uh, the yoga of, of, of action. Mm-hmm. That your Your spiritual path is actually fundamentally in tw- intertwined with mm-hmm. how you show up in the world mm-hmm. and especially in this age if we're gonna like continue the the Hindu or, or if we're gonna use Hindu mythology this is the Kali Yuga mm-hmm. and supposedly in the Kali Yuga uh, it's not about retreat it's actually about action mm-hmm. is the path to God and re- repeating Ram's name
1: over and over again is another path but mm. that's a different different story
2: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So was there a, a was there a moment where you said, "Hey, this is awesome! I, I want to pursue this full time as my profession." Because there are two schools of thought. One school of thought is Derek Sever, Sever, the founder of CD Baby. He said, "Hey, separate what gives you joy, your hobbies, your passion, from your you know what actually uh, what you do to make a living." Mm-hmm. Because when they're intertwined, then now you're bring that concerns of like hey I gotta make a buck with this thing and then it loses that spiritual charge as you said earlier right so that's one school of thought another school of thought is I think it was uh, Joseph Campbell follow your bliss right if you it's, it's the dream if you can actually make a living uh, from your passion and from your you know what gives you fulfillment so I'd love to hear your distinction between these two quote unquote paths so repeat the first one again so the second was follow your bliss right the first one is separate
0: separate them uh-huh. Oh, I see. Oh, sorry. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so Campbell also said later on that he wished he'd said, follow your blisters. I don't mm-hmm. know if you knew he updated the oh, quote. I did not know that. No. He said, he wished he'd said, follow your blisters. Uh-huh. Because follow your bliss can be a bit of a spiritual bypassing technique. Mm-hmm. I think that the mechanics of... And this, so this is what I said to myself, CK. I said, okay, well, what if you just threw yourself into what you loved for two or three years? hmm Like, what if it goes tits up. Mm-hmm. If it goes terribly wrong, then what's the worst thing that's happened? Right. You've lost three years, mm-hmm. but you've tried it and you've gone for what you love. Mm-hmm. Then you can go back. Right. Uh, so really it was just a sense of me saying, okay, well, what if I tried this of like, and from a really rational perspective, there's a the sense of, well, if I really enjoy something, then there's a higher probability I'm going to be good at it. That's right. Uh, so I think follow your bliss is really optimized for what you're interested in, because mm. that is a proxy for what you're going to be most likely good at. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But when, to go back, was there a moment or anything? Uh, there was actually a very clear moment. There was a moment? Yeah. Okay. And I went, <clears throat> I had some, some bodywork done, and a bunch of uh, unreleased stuff came up in the mm. aftermath. Mm. Anger, rage, And it all came like flooding through my body and I started like letting it all out, but it felt like in a way that was clean, like I had some tough conversations and really like spoke like the deepest, most primal part of what I thought to be true. Mm. And with that expression came this perfect clarity. Mm. It was just this knowing Mm. of like, you've got to go to San Francisco. You've got to go do consciousness. You've got to go do it now. Mm. And man, I've never had clarity like that. Wow. I'm a cost-benefit analysis guy. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. right. I'm, I'm checklists and boxes. And right. It was clarity from emotional desuppression, mm. which is fascinating. Mm. I think we're so stuck. Mm. We don't, we're all confused because we, we actually haven't let our body's uh, wisdom
1: mm. come through. So question there, because I, I do plenty of plant ceremonies. Uh, plant medicine ceremonies and then one of the things that uh, I teach my uh, clients regarding integration is hey you you're gonna have a lot of clarity and a lot of insights a lot of epiphany that comes from to you but don't do anything with it yet just let it sit Mm -hmm. right Um, did you let it sit or it was more like just follow my my realization <laughs> my inner knowing my impulse just gonna go with it quit, So quit my job and just go so so I'd already
0: I already wasn't in my job it okay. was, I was still in this I was in a liminal space anyway so I think our body mechanics are actually programmed for different things I, I want to make a distinction between impulse and intuition sure impulse feels a little bit more uh, like uh, rushed mm. snappy mm. Mm. intuition feels clean Mm. I want to use that word there's a lucidity Mm. to its experience and this felt very clean and it also felt light Mm. and so I didn't wait I didn't let it sit and Mm. I also think like as I start to learn my body more some people are better attuned to Mm. sitting with things Mm -hmm. other people's body mechanics are actually more attuned to making more spontaneous decisions I don't know if you've done any human design.
1: No, I've not. Yeah,
0: there's just, there's different like systems to say, hey, we're all created in slightly different ways. Huh? Interesting. Uh, so yeah. it's
1: not a one size fits all. Fits all. Some no. people are more suitable to take action right away. Some people are more suitable to just let us sit and develop that inner knowing.
0: I think so. I think that is the beauty of reality. We have these permutations of matter mm. that we call bodies, mm. and they all have uh, different ways of. of Knowing and navigating reality. If we truly listen to them. Mm. Uh, having said that, have I been able to get that clarity back since then? Mm-hmm. Not really. No, no. No, that was the big breakthrough. Mm. So I now I know what clarity feels like. Mm. You have a benchmark. I have a benchmark, and yeah. now everything feels quite unclear <laughs> since
1: since then. Yeah. So okay. So so in that also, do you uh, try to get back to that space again, uh, the moment of uh, lucidity and clarity? Because it's easy to want to chase that, right? And also, it's oh, there's an intention to cultivate that, too. Mm-hmm. How do you separate the the chase versus the yeah, cultivation? that's a great question.
0: Silence helps. Mm-hmm. I've tried body work. Uh, yeah, I, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> there's there's a sense of yes. The more the more I can tap into silence, the more clear things become. Mm. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So do you have like a daily ritual that you do or a weekly one, where you e- just essentially carve out the time that you need? To yeah, do I sit. I
0: sit every day for an hour. Mm. First thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, but I'm about to do a a new morning routine. You want to hear it? That's it. Got yeah. a thirty day thirty day challenge that I'm starting July first. Yeah, that's yeah, it. I know that I've named it publicly, and I've named it on radio. I can't go back. Okay. Uh, one hour meditation in the morning. Okay. Which is vipassana. Yeah. Uh, then I'm going straight to an ashtanga class for ninety minutes, uh-huh. and then right beside the ashtanga class is a sauna and cold plunge. no kidding so i'm gonna then go straight into the sauna for 20 minutes do some vagus nerve breath stimulation work kind of like wim hof but some more like actual targeted from the vagus nerve Mm. and also do some visualization while in the sauna Mm. and then go straight into a plunge pool Mm. then i'll be ready to start my day so it's going to take about two and a half hours Mm. in total for the morning routine Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah for me that's the perfect combination of mind for meditation body through ashtanga and then breath work and stuff for vagus nerve and mm. the mind-body connection.
1: Mm. I love that. I'm a systems guy, so I love disciplines. I love the rituals. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, so thanks that, for sharing that. Co-bus. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah.
1: They're 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 uh, they're mind mind builders. I uh, I love it so much that I actually bought an ice maker to put in my home. So I'd
0: love to do this. So how, how, do,
1: how do you buy an ice maker like what do you mean so you so so what i did is actually bought those like 20 pound ice makers and they just continuously produce ice all the time
0: and is there enough to put in a
1: bath in the morning oh yeah yeah no 20 pounds is plenty sufficient for one batch but i actually found a much better way so huh. you don't even need to do that okay you can get one of those industrial ice coolers yeah and then they just plug it in and then we need to use it obviously plug, unplug it so you don't need to electrocute yourself and it's, it will stay the same temperature at all times so have you bought one yet? no not yet we don't have enough space yeah well actually. I live in San
0: Francisco I mean there's yeah. no chance in hell I mean yeah. I can't even fit a bed into my apartment never mind the yeah, bloody yeah, ice killer yeah. uh, but the, the ice makers yeah. are smaller okay maybe I should mm. when I have my own place yeah, I the first thing I'm, I'd buy is, is a plunge pool yeah like 100% yeah Tony sure. Robbins yeah, does yeah, that yeah, yeah. every morning
1: that's right that's mm-hmm. right that's right no he's I think him and Wim Hof were the ones that really inspire me like oh yeah Tony Robbins does that too mm-hmm. maybe I should consider it
0: well and also first thing in the morning is you're timing it mm-hmm. with your peak cortisol spike anyway mm. so you're actually like attuning to the body's natural rhythms of as soon as you get wake up first 90 minutes of your cortisol is at its highest mm. so you're actually yeah you're doubling down on that effect yeah that shocked uh, acute stress struck to the system but this is a really important thing right chronic stress is horrific for the body mm-hmm. we're all chronically stressed mm-hmm. food toxins mm-hmm. noise mm-hmm. acute stress very good for the body right
1: a uh, little caveat there is let's say if you when you're sick or when you're really low on energy because uh, these are additional stress and uh, that may actually Push you or nudge you into sickness, mm. so that's the thing to be cognizant about. Sure, yeah, sure, sure, Cause, sure. Cause, um, yeah, Chinese medicine. We believe that you don't want to actually inject a lot of coldness into your system. If mm. you feel like constantly you're always cold, it's probably a good time to, you know, pull back on the ice bath or the or the cold smoothies or whatever it is. Right. Know. Yeah, that's that's my personal experience. Got you. Yeah. Do I have any scientific proof beyond that? No, which is my personal experience.
0: Yeah. No, I mean even like Ayurveda and you know, if, you, if you're, I'm pitta, mm-hmm. fire, hot, mm-hmm. always hot. Mm-hmm. So, so this yeah. would be good for you then. Yeah, this will be good for me. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: Man, I love it. Uh, I, I, I really love that you are able to inject scientific understanding into your daily rituals. That's awesome. There's a lot of times where um, people just do something, one thing, and they, they um, fix to that thing. And without any really thinking about the science or things beyond that.
0: Well, also there's also listening to your body, right? Like this universal one-size-fits-all thing we have. Like mm-hmm. if everyone just meditates for a day and has the same diet, it's like, nope, our gut microbiomes are different, our genetics are different, or mm-hmm. we've got to just listen deeply
1: to what is actually best for us. So, okay, so on that note... <clears throat> So let's speak to the, our younger selves who are not so aware or attuned to our mind, body, heart, and spirit. How, how old are we going? Huh? How old are we going? Uh, let's say college days. College days. Or, or 20. Let's, let's say in our 20s. Where we have that inner awareness, curious now, but maybe not so attuned to the well, body. I'm, I'm
0: still in my 20s. So are you really? I am, yeah. No shit.
1: Yeah. No so
0: shed. I need to go back to college today.
1: Wow. Yeah. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. Uh, that's awesome, man. I'm surprised. That's, that's you because you, you know, act so much older than you are. Yeah. It's kind of a, sometimes it can be a bit of a problem. Yeah. No, this for, is amazing. For, for dating. <laughs> so uh, going back to the days where you just begun your journey of developing that awareness, that that intuition, that inner knowing, what tactical uh ways could you make a suggestion to our listeners of how you actually develop that awareness because it's hard to discern because it's all internal it's not something that you can just point to a scientific instrument or the scoreboard oh yeah you're now 85 percent or 10 percent more attuned to than you were before before this thing that you were doing yeah so
0: well you mentioned vipassana uh uh-huh Vipassana attunes you to get very good at noticing subtle sensations. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Uh, Another interesting thing is is some sort of acting or improv. Mm. So, acting that has to be spontaneous and in the moment, whereby you're actually uh, engaged with the feedback loop of the other person's energy system. Mm. You start to become aware of these very, very subtle cues Mm. from other people. Like, oh, small shift, oh, small shift. Improv is really good for that. I loved it. I did it for like three months. You did it? I absolutely loved it. Mm. I don't Mm. know why I stopped. Time. Mm. but Mm. Yeah. uh. And then you can also dialogue. This sounds a little bit more hippy-dippy, but, you know, like asking your body, like, what do you want? And... Do you literally say what you want? Yeah. Or only in your mind? I mean, either or. Mm -hmm. And then... Trust that the body gives some sort of signal and this mm. for me oftentimes the signal is it light or is it heavy mm. if it's light it's like okay try
1: mm. Yeah, i like that so i asked similar questions to my podcast guests all the time some people flip coins mm. <laughs> some people uh, have their meditation practice or somatic practice i think it was ben talbert who we know you know, mutual friend of ours, he would literally ask his body, how do you feel? Mm. And then then notice the emotions, how the emotions arise in his body as part of his practice. So, cool. So let's actually shift gear a little bit. So now you're developing, you're, you're now in charge of consciousness hacking and cultivating a community and there's a lot of energy that right now going into this space. How, and this is, how do I unpack that question? How do you, uh, what are your plans to cultivate this movement or, or curate this energy now going into this space?
0: That's the million dollar question. Uh,
1: probably a billion dollar question. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah.
0: So for those who aren't aware, subconscious Consciousness Hacking was started four years ago by my dear friend Mikey Siegel. Uh, And he started as a global community. Mm He wanted to say, hey, like, what if we applied our scientific and technological knowledge Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. higher states and awakening? Because people think these two things are antithetical, right? Mm -hmm. Like, of course, science and spirituality have nothing to do with each other. Well, Mm -hmm. Mikey set out to build a community around people asking those questions. How can we build tools that enhance Mm -hmm. the human experience? Mm -hmm. So it started out as a global community and now we're moving more into conference mm-hmm. you you came to our conference that's right awaken futures, futures last month it's amazing you had a good time oh amazing
1: it was like the ted conference for conscious consciousness I Great. Loved it.
0: good yeah. uh, people i think people had generally had a good time yeah so we're having our conference we're wanting to do member only community events mm-hmm. so at the moment, we're doing more open events, but we really want to, if you have, but our turnover rate is super high. Mm-hmm. like only if, Members,
1: turnover
0: uh, rate? No, as in people who even come, like 70 to 80, 80% of each of our events mm-hmm. is a new member. Is that, mm-hmm. Sorry, Is a new attendee. Oh, I see. Super high. So they've never so,
1: heard of you before. Yeah. They've right. heard
0: of us, but they've never been before. Mm-hmm. So we want to do like member-only events mm-hmm. all throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm to establish the sense of community yeah mm. and also spread more awareness so mm-hmm. start creating our own content
1: right yeah yeah good so turning into like a media company potentially
0: uh, i'm reluctant to say turning it into a media company uh, mm. but having more of a media presence mm. is one way to put it man mm.
1: yeah that's awesome i love it
0: so what was your experience like at awaken futures uh, which for people who aren't aware was a conference on the intersection points of psychedelics technology and meditation.
1: Yeah. Actually, let's do a little distinction r- real quick. Hmm. How would you define psychedelics? Because I got corrected by um, uh, 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 a ceremonialist not to, you know, separate the plant medicine part and the psychedelics. But in my mind, actually before leading the witness, how would you define psychedelics? Oof.
0: So psyche is obviously from the Greek mind mm-hmm. or soul mm-hmm. they were the same thing mm-hmm. in greek etymology delix is a, i think the word inducing mm-hmm. uh, i could be totally making that up mm-hmm. like mind inducing uh these are these are, are substances that in invite us into
1: altered states of consciousness yeah well so that definition is super broad so c- caffeine could potentially be mm. under that umbrella too. True. Because it does alter our consciousness in some way. Yeah. Right. Alcohol could be that too.
0: Yeah. What is the difference between... Yeah, Sugar,
1: w- right, alters our consciousness Sure,
0: too. sure. Yeah. yeah, what is, what is the... Yeah, there's something about the level of depth mm-hmm. that plays into this. Mm-hmm. Like caffeine doesn't really take me closer to my deeper experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think many people's. Mm-hmm. There's there's something about a deepening, mm. but then that itself is subjective. So right. I don't know. Yeah, tell Wait, me. Surprise me. I I,
1: I I don't have one. That's okay. I That's CK. Come I, on, man. Yeah, okay. I thought I was talking to the guy who would know.
0: <laughs> Well, I, and then there's the theogens, right? Right. As, which are, um, which is is another term. Yeah, I. I see them as as alterers of consciousness bringing us closer to our deeper experience yeah
1: yeah I'm, I'm the same way so hence why I'm, I'm not st- so much of a, uh, a stickler to this nuance of a word and theogen psychedelics plant medicine because to me uh, if it uh, deepen our awareness of our own consciousness then to me that's uh, you know under the broad umbrella of psychedelics, yeah so entheogens so to me they're to me they're interchangeable yeah um okay what was my experience going back to your yeah. question yeah. yes yes um i had an amazing time i really so one of the things i as i progress in my own journey in life is the desire to meet like-minded people in psychedelics um meditation technology, these are my favorite subjects. So I love the quality of the people that were there. These are, to me, uh, people who are not only philosophers, but are actually doing something about it. So I met plenty of like investors, entrepreneurs, even ceremonialists, or you know, people who are grounded in reality in this realm. Like we study science, we study technology, and we're also having a commitment to all right, so there's something beyond the physical realm right so I met plenty to, to me these are termed mystics right so we, I met plenty of mystics I met plenty of people who are also grounded in reality so I definitely met plenty of people in my tribe there so Good I really appreciate that good yeah yeah and there was mission accomplished of, yeah, a lot of energy there um, a lot of different directions that you know this movement can go, and that's the number one takeaway now exactly where which direction is quote unquote the right one to be determined but there's certainly a lot of act- energy is very much uh, yeah. activated we'll come back next year my friend yeah for sure yeah. I mean uh, uh, hope that there's something that we can all do in between between this year and next year right? Yeah. In, in the in between time sure 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 so so conference bringing uh, high caliber people together to share their um, their 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 thoughts right now—that's where you want to go. But what about the in-between times? Is there anything that you're active to cultivate, to shape the energy?
0: Yeah, we're we're doing a we're gonna do some so member-only events, like I said, but also mm-hmm. just standard standard events, and we're gonna do two series. One is the Awakened Future spin-off series. Mm. So between now and the next conference, we're gonna have mm. some some of the themes and some of the speakers. Mm-hmm doing like a, talks in front of 300, 400 people uh, as, a, as a kind of um, extension of the conference. Mm-mm. And then we also want to do a synthesis series. Mm. What's that? Basically bringing together themes and domains that are historically relatively uh, uh, in tension. So for example, like a meditation teacher and a technologist mm. or a scientist and an atheist, Mm-mm. like a synthesis series. Yeah, because mm. I think this is what we represent. We're bringing together tech mm. consciousness. We mm. we really represent. Um, have you heard he- or you ever read any of Hegel? No. Hegel's evolution of consciousness philosophy.
1: No. Who's that?
0: So Hegel, about it. Hegel was a philosopher in the seventeenth, seventeenth or eighteenth century. I forget, and he says that consciousness evolves in a very particular way over time. That first there's its thesis, mm-hmm. which is one side of the polarity. Then comes its antithesis which is the opposite side of the polarity, Mm. and it's only in the holding of those two things and their absolute tension of of duality Mm. do they then start to come into synthesis. Mm. So that in order for us to go to the next level of politics, say, Mm -hmm. we've got to see radical left, radical right. Mm -hmm. That that, that we can't get to the next level Mm -hmm. until we fully
1: embrace Mm -hmm. deep polarity. Mm. So one of the things that... uh, I talk a lot about with our guest is the the yin and the yang sign. Yeah. And it's in the grappling of these two polarities that uh, you can find harmony somewhere in the middle. And and this harmony point, harmonious point, is is very personalized. Mm-hmm. It's very individual. I can't really tell you what your harmony point may be, but, but it's through the grappling with these two polarity right the, the 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 mental the cognitive dissonance the grappling with it that you can derive your own answers
0: absolutely own. and also not collapsing yourself into a single perspective mm-hmm. like i think that the 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 mark when people say i want to evolve consciousness i think there's also a very cognitive component to that mm-hmm. which is one's ability to handle complexity mm-hmm. and by definition complexity often implies paradox mm-hmm. paradox implies being able to be okay with two completely fucking opposite things. That's right. As being true at once. That's right. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. So I would say that would be uh, a, a huge, uh, a one common traits that your attendees have. They're open. They're hmm. open-minded mm-hmm. to actually hear like, oh, this person's point of view is different than mine. Yes. But let me just get curious. Yes. About Ooh. why does he think that way?
0: Well, this is what I really liked about the conference was a lot of people in the psychedelic community have mm-hmm. some sort of like deep somatic aversion to technology. Right. Which is understandable because the way our programs are designed and our software and our hardware is these aren't deepening tools. Mm-hmm. But then what some of our speakers spoke about where, yeah, hey, like what if tech could induce the similar states through hardware and software as something like LSD does through biochemistry? Mm-hmm. Um, and people were very open to that from the psychedelic world. who mm. were there at the conference. So mm.
1: yeah. So question there because um, I also have had conversations with people where they talk about the elevation or the transcendence of consciousness, whatever way you want to articulate it as a natural process and Over there is not better than over here so then why are we putting effort to try to be over there rather than just allowing the natural progression of one's own spiritual journey what what do you say to that
0: I say to that like why should we get out of bed in the morning Uh why is it better to get out of bed rather than stay in bed Mm. that like life moves in a certain way Mm -hmm. And I think there's a misunderstanding that in attempting to move forward, one is somehow pushing against the grain or -hmm. like trying to accelerate things like unnecessarily. Like if we were just to say, let it all be, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have cured polio. Innovation is quite oftentimes our lives are better because we've said, hey, we can be better. Mm. Uh, now there's a distinction there between like let's just improve for the sake of improving mm-hmm. And I think this is what people resist right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's like techno utopian assumption of Silicon Valley like just build shit and the world will be saved mm-hmm. uh, The other thing is you said natural way I mm-hmm. think part of our there's a bifurcation in our psyche between natural and artificial mm-hmm. I think in the same way we've had this bifurcation of nature and culture mm-hmm. Which is disastrous mm-hmm. because we're raping and pillaging the only home we have mm-hmm. There's also this bifurcation of technology and nature, Mm. natural and artificial. We are all expressions of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Tech is an expression of consciousness. Mm. Um, The way we've designed it though, is in a way that is not circular, not sustainable, Mm. and so it feels so other, right? Mm. And I think part of our deep mission at consciousness hacking is to realign that movement Mm. of tech towards
1: Mm. life's more natural rhythms Mm. which is what i really appreciate because you're not saying hey tech is awesome tech is number one Mm -mm. that's uh you know use all the natural resources we have to serve technology per se and there's a through line that i hear is that homage right that 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 Paying it forward, so then it's it's about thriving of the entire ecosystem, mm-hmm. rather than just let me focus on you know make progress in this particular direction, but forget everyone else, you know who may have to pay the price, including future generations per se. Yeah. So, which I really really appreciate. exactly. Yeah, is there any specific technology that you felt really excited about, or did it a particular direction? So, now that I'm asking you as an individual rather than a curator of a, your community, is there anything that you're like, oh, that sounds really promising? I'm did ready. you
0: see Jay Sanguinetti's talk? Uh, ye- on ultrasound?
1: Uh, I have, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the big one. So, ultrasonic neuromodulation, mm-hmm. which is targeting very specific areas of the brain with sound waves, with, mm-hmm. with ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that last week. You did? I had a shot.
1: You did? Yes. How was it? from an experience point of view?
0: Very potent. Mm. So they have about a 50-50% success rate. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of the responders, mm-hmm. so I spent about 16 hours afterwards mm. in quite a deepened state of consciousness. Mm. Then it wore off. Mm. Uh, but anyway, the, the idea is you, you target a very very three very specific parts of the brain, mm. left, right, and the PCC, the posterior cingulate cortex, with 30 second blasts of ultrasound stimulation Mm. and uh, let it be. Mm -hmm. 50% of people, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. 50% something quite deep happens. Mm. So yeah, ultrasound's a big one.
1: Describe a little bit more about what happened with that experience. So, Were you able to write a, uh, you know, like a Shakespeare, like a a huge creative burst and write a book in 16 hours or like just share with the the, the experience of it? It was
0: much more, uh, just a deepening into being, capital B, Mm. deepening into presence, uh, a profound sense of peace. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's quite hard to describe. I'd, I'd recommend people check out Persistent Non-Symbolic Experience, mm-hmm. the term pr- by Jeffrey Martin. Mm-hmm. He describes these certain locations mm-hmm. of deeper experiences. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, location one, location two, three, four. Mm-hmm. And I think my experience it was more like, hey, this put me into like a lo- location one PNSU experience for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that, I mean, the technology is still very early. It's very safe as well. It's mm-hmm. Ultrasound, very, very mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. When we start to have a better understanding of the brain, we can start to be more pinpointed with this these interventions. Now, that is not to say that we can just like zap our the whole of humanity into like an enlightened state of consciousness. I think that's a
1: very reductive perspective, Mm -hmm.
0: but it's a tool. Mm -hmm. It's a tool.
1: Right. So now that you have access to it, I I wonder. Are you compelled to or impelled to go back to that whenever you feel not center, not peace, That's the, f- the
0: funny thing is, Sikh, is I... The, the, this is why psychedelics are non-addictive. Mm. They're not Moorish. Mm. And I think the same with meditative states. Mm. They're not Moorish. Mm-hmm. But they are reference points to say, hey, this, this is how you can feel. Like, this is your base. Benchmark, yeah. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. I said correct. That's a new word. You like that? I correct. A like texture yeah. of correct and right. Correct.
1: Correct. Uh, like
0: it's your. You know it's there. Mm. There's like a. And so it's like. You're swimming out at sea, and you know there's a rope attached, and you might go out, and you're swimming with sharks, but you know the rope's attached to the boat, mm. so you know you're safe. Mm. That's yeah. how I feel with con- with. Having explored deeper states,
1: mm-hmm. so I had a conversation with a friend uh, who experienced plant medicine for the really he's really new with it, and then he distinguished why this, these are called medicines? He, for him, the way he articulated it is, you are exploring the mental blocks, not mental blocks like a like a brick wall, right in your mind. And the top part is the most of the time is what you can uh, have awareness of. Let's say you know something that you learn in physics or algebra. You're like, oh, I learned these things, and then this allows me to you know look at reality or filter reality through these these models. But with plant medicine, he now is able to kind of come down to the bedrock, to the foundation level. Like, oh, so I build these ideas from this, and uh-huh. this, and this, and this, and for him. Uh, he distinguished that it's very scary Hmm. for some people but he was willing to go there himself because he, he you know he has the opportunity to examine the foundational blocks of his operating system I mean I'm using the metaphors interchangeably now right so what would you say to that do you you um, agree to his assessment how for some people is really scary to examine the foundation, uh, the core belief of who they are, or is that you know, just part of, if you wanna uh, upgrade your operating system is what it needs to happen.
0: All of these practices, whether it be plant medicine or meditation, is they, they take you to, the, there's, there's a deconstruction process. Mm-hmm. That everything that you think you are, you're not. Mm-hmm. And that includes this little root thought, as they say in Buddhism, called I. Mm. I. Mm-hmm. Our whole identity mm-hmm. is based on this little guy called I. was mm-hmm. a guy or girl. And so to deconstruct the foundation of I mm-hmm. is, is what we call ego death. Mm-hmm. It's this death of self. You've done plant medicine, so you know that the death of self is not, it's not a very pleasant thing or it can be, very, very terrifying. Mm. Um, yeah, and then there's, there's this thing like uh, like a shamanic initiation. It is about completely deconstructing the foundation. Mm. Uh, and really seeing that there's no foundation, mm-hmm. that reality is actually, gr- you know, the word groundless. Mm. That's fucking terrifying. Mm. That the ontology of existence, like what it's made of, mm. is, is nothing. Mm-hmm like let that land
2: mm-hmm.
0: now that can lead to nihilism right and the flip side of nihilism is freedom
1: right hence why I do what I do yeah. so what, what would you say to the people who are like no it's too scary I don't want to even contemplate this uh, you know deconstruct as you call it yeah. you know my identity I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at I'm you know, I have my Starbucks, I have yeah, my my, Star- my two kids, yeah. my picket fence, and yeah, two holidays a year. great. You know, you guys do what you do. And then, you know... Plus, what do I get from that, right? Like, they don't know the potential... Yes. ...from understanding or deconstructing that. Well,
0: I think I used to be in a position where I'd think, that oh, you guys and girls, like, you don't want to go deep enough. When really, I'm seeing now, man we're just all different expressions of existence. hmm Like, just because... <laughs> like, I used to have some sort of like meditation hubris that was like, if you ain't meditating 10 hours a day like I am, you ain't woke. Right. And uh, it's just not that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I know there are much smarter, wiser, more loving people than yes. I am mm-hmm. who have done a tenth of the work.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: We start to see that when we want to change people, mm-hmm. like, that is our own ego complex, right. getting involved. Especially with regard to like spiritual stuff. Right. If we're trying to change people because they're killing people. Different story. Right. You know.
1: Right. They're impacting other people's freedom and Th- safety.
0: Then we have, I think, some sort of moral responsibility to mm. act. And this mm. is where a lot of spiritual bypassing comes in. So like, so like I'm not a political pacifist. Mm. Like, if I were in charge of like a country, mm. my war strategy would actually, I think, be very harsh
1: your war strategy
0: yeah as right. in i think like you have to s- create a certain strong boundary mm. to show that freedom is really important and fairness is very important mm. i think sometimes with um spiritual spiritualism mm. you say well it's all one right, right. I, I can't tell you what to do so that's not what i mean by uh if you're trying to change someone, you're somehow acting from an ego place. Like mm. There's an element of that, but then there's also an element where we do need to stand up and say, hey.
1: Right, there's that paradox Change. That yeah. we talked about. Change. Yuck. Change, bitches. Yeah. Change, bitches. <laughs> yeah, from my point of view, it's an invitation. I can't make anyone do anything that mm-hmm. they don't want to do anyway, because mm. even if they do it, they will still be resentful and angry at you know whoever that ma- right m- made them do something yes 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 yeah but the opportunity is here if they are curious about you know deepening of their own awareness or understanding
0: my my whole experience of this has been when i try to persuade mm-hmm. people don't really listen mm-hmm. when i embody people listen
1: mm-hmm. it's very different yeah how do you know when are embodying versus you're persuading?
0: I'm using less words. Uh-huh. And I'm not, uh, there's not a trying energy like, hey, come. I see. It's more like, this is where I am.
1: Yeah. That's interesting though, because now we're talking about more of a, like an attraction rather than persuasion. Mm. And as an entrepreneur,
0: mm yeah fascinating right so question. how do you then yeah.
1: how do you then discern because part of the process is awareness bring awareness to something that people may not be aware of so you know how do you stand in the making a powerful invitation versus yeah,
0: beautifully versus beautiful man you know what i mean great question yeah do you want to know my deep deep answer please i have no idea how to reconcile <laughs> those two things no idea Especially with capitalistic entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. whereby there's a monetary incentive to persuade, mm-hmm. it's very hard to get the incentives really clean, mm-hmm. like really clean. But we live in a capital, you know, a world of money. So like, if you're not doing persuading to make money, then right. you need to you need to survive.
1: Right? There's there's a way to make yourself sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. And there's ways to and
0: there's, there's a way to be a positive sum rather than a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard, man. It's hard. And there's, a, there's been a real bastardization of mindfulness and yoga mm-hmm. out of capitalistic incentives, right? Mm-hmm.
1: It's hard. I don't know. Yeah. And plus, actually one more thing about that too. Uh, social media are the, the options are infinite. How do you stand on top of the, how do you, you know, get through the noise? yeah you know so 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 then there's how do you make a polarizing statement and coming from an embodied place right
0: yeah and then there's the other pen says like what if you just trust that your truest expression is often is also the most uh compelling one
1: right so there's that too like
0: authenticity being the sales tactic
1: right People who resonate with your message or who you are, they may be attracted to you, but they yeah. don't even know why. They don't. They don't have a right. rational response. They just know, uh, whatever it is that you do.
0: And you don't have to brand your YouTube videos of like CK Lin destroys reductive materialists. That's right. Right. Like, you it, know.
1: Yeah. Make it a uh, the the clickbait headline. Like
0: like Tristan, Tristan Harris says, like a race to the bottom of the brain stem. Yeah. Like that works. But it's kind of fucked up because you're playing on our deepest primal fears yeah
1: so so the marketing side says hey you know you sell them on what they want then once they come in then you give them what they need versus offering like authentic yeah uh, offering Mm -hmm. and say hey you're going to come in we don't exactly know what you're going to get but you have leave with more peace and
0: yeah. You know, so. Well, there's the other thing is if you've been practicing for like 10 years uh-huh. and you know that this is going to benefit someone' health, mental and physical well-being, and you know there's a certain strategy to get them in, you know.
1: Right. It, it makes sense. So it's part of an option that you have. Yeah. The <laughs>
0: movement creator. Yeah. Uh, right. It's just, I think this is a, it can be kind of gray, you know, murky waters. Yeah. I've not, I've not figured it out yet. <laughs> I think I well my my sense is I've kind of gone my, my pendulum is still swinging yeah between uh, intention yeah and authenticity
1: right mm. it's difficult yeah yeah so it's challenging I made an answer hence so I was asking you see if you have a, because part of what I do is I'm a, I'm a teacher I'm an integration coach right I'm an entrepreneur and part of what I what I do is to offer to bring people who are interested in deepening their own consciousness to having that clarity to operate from value operate from purpose and these are available tools do I move forward with them like selling them what they want which is high performance, or more money, more connection, more love, and then really, what they will realize that the, the the root of what's available is more aligned my body, heart, and spirit, and then then everything else is um, will come easier.
0: Right. So I think the issue with trying to frame. meeting them where they're at and then taking them somewhere deeper is that you then lose out on the market segment that are just ready to to actually just go deeper full stop mm-hmm. like they don't need the hand holding mm. they're just they're there mm. yeah you know we, we have we have constraints <laughs> we have constraints of, of money and marketing and all right What's your meditation practice?
1: What's my meditation Does practice? Do you have one, yeah. Um, I do have one. My go-to is TM, Transcendental Meditation. Okay, so I'm mantra. Mantra-based. Uh-huh. Yeah, I really, it's a good rope for me to, uh-huh. in the sea of thoughts and emotions that uh, anchors me pretty easily. Oh. Uh, to continue the sea metaphor, anchoring, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how about you? Vipassana. Vipassana. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Vipassana is very, very, so speaking of difficulty, I like the acute um, stress of plant medicine. Vipassana is essentially the same amount of stress but pull out for 11 days, and that was very, very challenging for me, especially day three when they focus on the Anapana. I was like, three days on this area? You freaking kidding me?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The thing is with plant medicines the it's not as cumulative
1: mm. say more about that what does that mean
0: you have your experience and then a few days weeks few days weeks months later
1: you're back i see Vipassana seems to be cumulative I see. so you you believe that it's um what you receive from each vipassana or each, each day of a, of a vipassana practice now you can add on to your stacking
0: I think you're stacking in a very very minute way mm-hmm. and after like two or three years you're like holy shit like i mm-hmm. stacked a lot mm-hmm. plant medicine if you're doing it two or three times a year mm-hmm. i don't think the net it's like tortoise and the hair the way the tortoise and the hair i see the, the tortoise ends up winning
1: yeah it gets further right right uh, here's my point of view around that the way I relate to plant medicine ceremonies is more... Um, it's, it's a way to benchmark what's possible.
0: Yeah, but once the benchmark's there, why do you need more benchmarks?
1: Well, because there, there's different depth of view, mm-hmm. right? So the benchmark is there, but you can go deeper with, with iteration, right? And, and uh, as an integration coach, I, I tell my clients, my participants, that this is only 10% of the work. 90% of the work is in your dating integration practice, right. whatever that may be, it could be yoga for you, meditation for you, uh, conscious uh, nutrition, eating habits for you, conscious uh, noble speech or your relationship with others, mm. et cetera, right? So Noble speech, I like that. Yeah, noble speech, noble relationships, noble everything. Yeah. Huh. So, so... It opens up their awareness to, oh, okay, so here's the gap between my commitment and my actual words, action, and thoughts. Then we work together to bring all that Mm -hmm. into the daily life. Hear you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the way I look at it. That's the way I. That makes sense. That That makes sense. It's not a silver bullet. Yeah. You got the answer, and that's that. But that's, that's my approach. I understand. Um,
0: have you done any Joe
1: Dispenza? Um, no, I have not. You heard of him? I have, yeah. He's You're the placebo.
0: You're the placebo, exactly. He's
1: excellent. Yeah. Excellent.
0: And basically, a lot of people, when they speak, think about like healing the body, they think mm. it's just about holding the image, holding the thought. Mm. And that visualization and manifestation is just about thinking about what you want, and then mm. that will be it.
1: Right, the law of attraction approach, Yep. Right? It
0: doesn't work. Well, Dispenza's pieces doesn't work unless you integrate it with a feeling. Mm. That the feeling is actually the signal to reality that this is what I've already received. Mm. And so you're actually teaching your body somatically, emotionally, mm-hmm. no, in a way that is beyond just cerebral. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's listening and to, wants to try very powerful meditation techniques, I'd try Joe, Joe Dispenza.
1: Mm. I see. So since we're doing some tactical suggestions, what other um, things you believe people should, or uh, or we can invite them to experiment <laughs> with? Uh,
0: so can I do a quick fire round? A, what? a quick fire round, mm. quick fire tactics? Yeah, please. Uh, okay, so number one, lucid dreaming. Lucid dreaming. Yeah. Okay. So read a guy called Charlie Morley. Who okay. wrote a book called Dreams of Awakening? You can actually start practicing skills, and languages, and stuff in your dreams Mm. lucidly Mm. Uh, you can there are various ways to get there Mm. you can do reality checks throughout the day Mm. Uh, you can take to keep a a dream diary you can Mm. take a a drug called galantamine Mm. which is an alzheimer's drug Mm. and it gives you a very bad hangover but just if you want to try what it feels like to have a lucid dream Mm. Yeah, so basically the idea is like we sleep, we sleep eight hours a night, we dream for four of those, which mm. basically means if you live to 90, you, 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 you're, you have 15 years. Is that right? Yeah, third, yeah half of a third. of dreaming time. Yeah. 15 years of, of lucid dreaming time. Right. So it's 15 years where you can actually work on yourself. Mm. When really we just think it's right. no time. Mm. But the yogis had something. And for the yogis as well, the, the dream practice was death practice. Uh, So, lucid dreaming has been quite a significant skill set I've explored. Mm. Uh, Gratitude, big one. Mm. Intermittent fasting. Mm. Dry fasting actually has different effects on the body than water fasting.
1: What's dry fasting? No water. No water. Mm -hmm. For how long?
0: I know someone who, who can dry fast for six days. And I thought that was impossible, yeah. physiologically.
1: Yeah, I thought after seven, was it seven days? We, we die, right? I thought At it was four days. days. Four days. Yeah, yeah.
0: she uh, she she does this. Um, I think she also has showers though, and I yeah, think the your body, body might be absorbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, there's some evidence that suggests that dry fasting has even like greater autophagy effects than water fasting.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Harder though. Oh, for sure.
0: So I do some fasting. I don't do dry fasting. I do water fasting. Mm. But I'd like to try dry fasting. How How? You wanna do, do you want to do a
1: dry fast with me, dude? Uh, I, uh, yeah. Just well, <laughs> six days? In, yeah, lean into discomfort. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. How long do you do the water fast for?
0: Yeah, um, the last last fast I did was a bone broth fast. Uh-huh. And it was for three days.
1: I see. What's the benefit of fasting for you? Big Why do you
0: do it? Gut stuff. I've got pretty bad bloating. Hmm. Also clarity, lightness. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't think we're meant to eat three meals a day. Yeah, right. I like think we're meant to hunt. Yeah.
1: Find. Fast. Right. Fuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sleep. Yeah. So, but what about the headache that you get for not taking in nutrient? I don't get a headache. You don't get a headache? No, you get a headache? Uh, immediately, within six hours. Really? Yeah.
0: Nah, no headache, man. Yeah. I get I get a bit hungry. Hangry. Yeah. Big, grumpy. Yeah.
1: You're not in a relationship, are you? No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that makes it a little easier. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, oh, I think my, my, my habit is just now, I'd be a very hard boyfriend. Yeah, right. Yeah. Even things like sleep, like I was saying this to my friend this morning, like sleeping in the same bed, I'm so sensitive to body
1: heat. Right people moving around yeah I'm right. just, it right. just wakes, wakes me up yeah, yeah
0: and I yeah. really I really value my sleep yeah
1: Yeah. high maintenance uh, hey man I, <laughs> I I know exactly what you mean uh, yeah cool
0: I appreciate this um, oh and there's also chanting stimulates the vagus nerve hmm chanting and singing and gargling any specific
1: keywords they should put into Google no
0: idea but it's just chanting okay.
1: vagus nerve hmm yeah alright so chanting and Vegas nerve look into that yes alright beautiful thank you so much I really really appreciate you being on uh, sharing with us everything that you share your story your discipline what you hope to achieve with consciousness hacking and also the tactical you know suggestions thanks for being here on the podcast thank you for having me
0: thank you for listening everybody <laughs> uh, my name is Joshua Fields and uh, peace out uh, what where do you want to send them to so, cohack.life is our website. Mm-hmm. I also had an old podcast where I have some writings up called neonosis.com, N-E-O-N-O-S-I-S. And I do a little bit of blogging on Medium, so you can find me at Joshua Fields.
1: All right, amazing. Thanks, Josh. All right. Appreciate Great to see you again, CK. Yeah, of course. Thanks for this, we'll, one. We'll do a part two sometime soon when you come back to L.A. Yeah, when I move to L.A. <laughs>
2: hey, perfect. Cheers, man.